Hey, this is Julio. Hey, this is Steve. Before the podcast starts, we want to welcome and give you the opportunity to support our ministry by visiting our website at www.bridgemenlaredo.org. Scroll down to the bottom of any page and you'll find the PayPal donate button. Bridge Ministries exists to share the glorious good news of Jesus Christ and to equip people to be transformed by the renewing of their minds. If you would like to help us in our mission of making affordable or free Bibles and Christian books available, and also to check out the orphanage that we support, visit our website. salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved acts 4 12 welcome ladies and gentlemen boys and girls good afternoon good morning good evening whenever you're listening to this podcast this is bridge radio um, if you're new to the program please like and share share with your uh, mom and dad your friends your family and uh your pets. I just, and what? Your pets. Yeah, your pets too. Tell, tell your cats and dogs. Um, I'm your host, Julio Rodriguez. As always, I'm your host for today. Today we actually got a round table around us, huh? Yeah. I know. It's yeah. nice. So we got um, we got Abe from the Valley again. He was on last week. I know, man. I keep just showing up here. I know. You're going to work. Yeah, you're going to have to put me to work. <laughs> and then across from me, I got the president of the, min- of the ministry, Steve Den Hartog. What's up, y'all? All hail. <laughs> and right across from me, we have our guest, as I said in the previous podcast leading up to this one. Um, he is my uh, senior pastor. I've been greatly blessed by this man. Um, he actually was the was the one who introduced me to Reformed theology and uh, really got me thinking about what I believe and why I believe it. And uh, he's a good expositor of the word, and uh, I, I truly love this man dearly. And it's Pastor Chad McCartney. He's right across from me. Thank you for coming on. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Julio. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I just want to first, before we enter in the topic, today is um, by Christ alone, solo Christus. And uh, before we jump into that topic, I just wanted to point people out, back to our previous ones last year. We've had J.P. Holding, J. Warner Wallace, uh, Douglas Wilson. Um, Gary DeMar, and for the month of January, uh, I had decided to do a podcast series on the five solas. So at the very beginning of the month, you go back and listen to Sola Scriptura with Eli Elia. I finally got his last name right. I always had trouble (laughs) saying it. And then the week after that, we had John Sampson, who I've become really good friends with. Uh, That man as well has been a blessing to me. And then last week, Abe was on with me, and we had Matt Slick. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was an awesome podcast. I actually had my senior group. We had two of uh, two people who listened to that one, oh, and yeah. they really enjoyed it. Yeah, <laughs> it was a great apologetic and and uh, and uh, and also just point out the solas and the good yeah. teaching, good yeah. teaching on solo fide. Yeah, Matt Slick just dropped a lot of information on us for sure in a very small. Uh, time frame Hmm. yeah yeah (laughs) and it's crazy how he he just memorizes scripture he like footnotes it as he's speaking it's just very interesting so um anyway guys um let's begin and start the podcast i know um pastor chad here um i think he's going to take us into just a brief slice of the reformation right and just kind of a little inside of of uh of uh i guess why why we 
why, why, why we proclaim important. Why yeah, why so, by yeah. Christ alone became important. So uh, yeah, let's just go ahead and jump in the topic, and we'll just stem off from there. Yeah, so obviously, there's a number of great figures associated with the Reformation, and Martin Luther being a, a key figure. But along with the things he was. Uh, coming to grips with uh, Ulrich Zwingli simultaneously and, and, and regularly independently from that uh, was, you know, kind of heading off some of the things in the Swiss Reformation at that exact same time. Uh, much like Martin Luther is, and as you see with all these solas, even though it's an only Christ or only scripture, obviously none of those things stands alone by themselves. They all mm-hmm fit perfectly together. And much like Martin Luther, Zwingli was on a journey too, as he had developed just a a heart for the Word of God and studying Mm -hmm. the Word of God. And as he did that, and he was called to a pastorate in Zurich in the great Minster Church, he had told him, hey, I'm not not doing this uh, lectionary preaching anymore where we're Mm -hmm. jumping from passage to passage and topic to topic and someone else is dictating Mm -hmm what we're doing, he began preaching in an expository way and, and mm-hmm. started taking them through the Gospel of Matthew and eventually over about a six-year period preached through the whole New Testament, mm. you know, book by book. And as they did that, the church as well as him came to realize there is all kinds of things within the Roman Catholic Church, which he had been part of, mm-hmm. that are are just not supported in the scriptures. And when you run through the whole scripture, you see that very clearly. And so as a result of his preaching, not only did that become a foundational um, characteristic of the Reformation, of that type of preaching, mm-hmm. taking you know the whole scripture as it is, but also it ended up changing the church in Zurich. In fact, he basically eliminated the mass from all the churches mm-hmm. in Zurich, and they threw out a lot of the objects of veneration and various aspects like that that they came to realize were so inconsistent with what the scriptures actually say. And mm-hmm. so his commitment to scripture led him to a realization that it, there's none of these other things are aspects of our salvation or sources mm-hmm. for our salvation. It is clearly Christ alone. Christ alone. And all these other aspects point us to him as our sole source of salvation. Hmm. Right. I think I find it very interesting, and it just it it's just a, a good testimony to the truth of God's word. How you even had Martin Luther and Swingley totally in opposite areas, mm-hmm. correct? Like you, they they never spoke to each other. Right. They were in different independent nations, of each other. independent of each other. Yet they were coming to the same conclusions that um, what the church of their day, which was the Roman Catholic Church, what they were doing in their traditions and what they were uh, proclaiming as truth or the gospel was was false. And I think that's a huge testimony of. Not only the sovereignty of God, but the truth of it, too, that's in the scriptures. And that these guys weren't enemies of the Roman Catholic Church. Both Mm -hmm. of them were part of it, and it was their study of scripture that led them to these conclusions. And neither of them really initially desired to leave it. They really wanted the leadership of the church to come back to the teachings of scripture. Of scripture. And it wasn't until they realized that wasn't going to happen that they made some of the choices they did and and the Reformation and the split kind of occurred. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just to go off what you said about that they they were part of the Catholic Church uh, and some of them didn't want to leave, I think Martin Luther said, like, um, if uh, if he was the greatest of all monks, he would have been, he, he, he was all monkery, or he said something like that, which meaning he, like, delved deep in his beliefs and he had just massive uh, 
uh, convictions once he started to read the the Word of God and, and it opened his eyes. Um, another thing to note, and I've noted this on the podcast, which these reformers they weren't they they weren't trying to create a new Christianity, mm-hmm. right? They weren't trying to um, to invent, but rather uh, renovate Christianity back to the true gospel. And so, yeah, just on the topic of of by Christ alone, uh, the reformers, as we do here, view Christ's work from birth, death, and resurrection as sufficient for salvation alone. That means it's not Christ plus something or someone else by which by which we obtain salvation. Mm-hmm. It is by Christ alone. And so, I think as we begin to discuss this topic, you really have to have a solid and firm foundation on both the person of Christ. And the work of Christ. Mm-hmm. Would you all agree with that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so, as we begin this topic, before we really start comparing and contrasting what the Roman Catholic Church has taught and teaches uh, and, and what, we, what we're saying here, again, I'm just going to say I, I, I think it's, it's good that we start first with the person and the work of Christ. So, um, Chad. Jesus Christ, who is he? <laughs> who is he? What's, what's his person? It's important for, for all Christians to understand this. Yeah, so obviously the Bible teaches two key aspects of his personhood uh, that relate to this. One being he is fully God. You know, he is the only one who can stand in, in our place in mm-hmm. the sense of being righteous and perfect, which is why he's the only source. And yet he's also fully human as well, which gives him that position to stand as our advocate. He's Mm not someone other than us Mm -hmm. completely. He's also like us or stands in our stead in his humanity. So you see both of those aspects as being absolutely necessary. One uh, qualifies him to to bring righteousness because he was perfectly sinless. Mm -hmm. The other allows him to stand in our place as a representative in his humanity uh, so that we could be properly represented. And I think that's one of those things that we need to hold in tension because mm-hmm. we can't completely wrap our minds around it, right? It's one of those things that we know is true right. because God's Word tells us, but we don't, we, we, we can't go to either extreme where we, um, you know, focus on his humanity or his, his divinity. Mm-hmm. We can distinguish them, but yet you don't want to separate them too much and you don't want to mix them together yes. because then you end up going into some sort of, a lot of heresy around, yeah, down the road. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's just one of those things that we know is true, that God is, that yeah. he, Jesus was truly God, truly man, and we just have to hold that intention. And that's true throughout, if you look at Christian orthodoxy, yeah. almost every major doctrine has a similar tension sure, like that, absolutely. from the Godhead itself being you yeah. know, three persons, yet one God. Yeah. Sovereignty There's, and free will. Yeah, every heresy has come from sliding to one side or mm. the other on that. And Jesus, you know, humanity and deity, even as a, a saint, as Christians, we're both mm-hmm. simultaneously saints and sinners. And to, to logically put those together mm-hmm. isn't always possible, but you have to hold them in tension. Otherwise, you slide into some form of heresy that... The, the church has often come across in history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and it seems like Unitarianism is gaining some steam. I mean, we've been talking about that just outside mm-hmm. that that is taken away um, uh, 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 the triune, nature, the triune of nature of God. Yes, mm-hmm. thank you. Yeah, I, I and and I was reading uh, yesterday that even early Christians so. They they never once denied the deity of Christ, right? That he was God. However, they were they were actually 
some Christians and in, in back in the first century who would deny his his humanity completely. Mm-hmm. So he was just all God. In fact, he was just like this floating spirit is what they kind of made him out. He was just immaterial. Um, but when you look in First John 4, or Second John 7, it, it says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is fr- is is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Uh, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world. Um, so, yes, we affirm that Christ came in the flesh, just like Adam, mm-hmm. just like Paul. And you even see throughout the um, New Testament, I mean, he's he mourns. He's, I mean, he's hungry. One, at, he's, he's, weary. hungry. he's, yeah, he, he's tempted in all ways. He's like tempted us. in yeah, all us. ways like us, and that's honestly part. And we're, we'll get into it in a bit. The temptation and his humanity of why he had to truly take on that form hmm. in order to in order to bear our sins. Um, I've always laughed too when he returns, uh, when Christ resurrects and he appears to the disciples, and uh, and and he's like, "Do y'all got any food?" <laughs> y'all got any fish like that's yeah. like one of the first things he asked for like straight right when he sees him and so yes there i mean you, you clearly see the the humanity of christ so yes he, he he had bones just like us he had flesh just like us um yet like what we were just talking about you, you got to really hold those two in tension and not slide one way or the other because then you'll 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 fall into into heresy um hmm. Um, and this is something something I wanted to bring up. Why did he take on flesh in a fallen world? And Mark ten forty five says, for ever, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So that is why. And uh, we have Galatians four four through five. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. That's Galatians 4.45. Um, and then I, I, would, I would like to also to talk about the virgin, bo- the virgin birth, his, his incarnation. Uh, Chad, I don't know if you want to touch on that. Just why is that significant as well? Uh, yeah, obviously the same thing. It shows both a, a blend of humanity and mm-hmm. of godhood and the Holy Spirit being the one who came upon Mary and produced this God-man. And so you see, again, the, that tension of the two brought together uh, to create, create in a sense, or beget. Mm-hmm. At that point, Jesus had always existed eternally, yeah. but he was begotten at that moment as a God-man. As a God-man, yeah. Exactly. So, so yeah, that's another thing that, that we... Because a lot of... That's a whole other rabbit trail. That's there. a whole other rabbit trail. The whole begotten, which he was just born, but that's what it's. Well, that's where it's getting at, right? The whole first begotten son was that he, he was begotten in the sense of becoming man. That's why it's so yes. so critical to choose your words carefully, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Because we can all. I mean, we all intend to say one thing, but quite often it comes out mm-hmm. in another way and it sounds heretical. But when we're talking about God, we need to be really careful about mm-hmm. the words that we use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we also see through the Bible, I think the significance of the, the incarnation as well of Christ was uh, all throughout the the Old Testament. We see, like through Isaac, um, you know, uh, uh, they had trouble um, his mother bearing bearing him, right? She was like 99 years old. He also had Samson, Samuel, John the Baptist as well. And these were people who were old in their age, mm-hmm. right? So it was just something that was crazy for them to even be born at such an old age. That, that was like crazy. But then it even goes a step even further, right? And then you had a virgin bearing mm-hmm. a child. 
Like, how is that even possible? It takes it to another level. And you always see throughout the Bible that whenever something like this happens, it's very significant in in, uh, God's sovereignty of of redemption. And so, and even... um, you know, in, in Isaiah seven fourteen says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And as we know, whenever the angel told Joseph to name him Jesus, he said, because he will save uh, us from our sins, or he will save the people from our sins. So even the name was like very significant mm-hmm. of Christ, his birth, his incarnation. And as, um, as, uh, as Chad was saying, um, in John one one, he was eternally with the Father. So, and I think you know your Isaiah passage with regards to the prophecy. Another reason why it was so important that Jesus be born of a virgin because it was prophesied seven hundred hmm. years beforehand that that would happen, mm-hmm. and so he needed to be born of a virgin. Um, he couldn't have been born any other way in order to fulfill that prophecy. Mm-hmm. And we all know that it's us men that carry the sin from generation to generation. None of our wives are, are yeah. responsible for that. So, on a side note. <laughs> That's another rabbit trail. Yeah, yeah there's a, we're trying that to keep is. on the deity of Christ. So right now we're talking about the, the person of Christ. So, yes, um, so Christ was also, too, um, the the image of God. So, in Genesis, mm. man created uh, is created in the image of God, which is the Imago Dei. Christ is also created in the image of God, but par excellence. So, mm. it's far beyond uh, what we could obtain. Scripture speaks as Jesus as the image of God apart from the incarnation. And that's going back to John 1. So he was always he was always God. He was eternally with, mm-hmm. the, with the triune God uh, in his eternal nature as, as the divine son. And I have some scripture here that specifically teaches that. Um, and the reason why this is so important to get to get, um, and the reason why we're setting this foundation is because right now we're going to contrast a lot of the, the Catholic doctrine and, and what they believe in, and why we believe, as and I say this com- nicely as possible and with love, but idolatry. Um, and so, uh, here are just some scriptures, again, uh, on how Christ is in the image of God and how he is God. We have 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbeliever, which is Satan, to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God. So we have that teaching there. We have Colossians 1.15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And then we have Hebrews 1.3. And I love this one. He is, speaking about Christ, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. The exact imprint mm-hmm. of his nature. Uh, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power and makes purification of sins, and we'll discuss that in a little bit. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Again, the Bible's teaching this, and then we have, lastly, John fourteen nine. He who has seen the Son has also seen the Father. That's significant. I don't know if we want to just talk on that. He who has seen the Son has seen the Father. Um, yeah, okay. All right, Steve. Steve's got to go. I got to go make coffee, so <laughs> I'll see you guys later. Yeah. Just in, Steve. <laughs> Actually, Chad, you got the Ethiopian blend. I that, do. that that is like the highest potent caffeine concentration, man. I, I literally It'll help us get through this. Oh, quicker, for sure. The other day, man, I'm not. I was telling. I think I told Abe yeah, you told yesterday. Me yesterday. Yeah, I had a 16 ounce Ethiopian blend. 
almost had, I almost busted out in a panic attack. It was so <laughs> strong. If I would have had like two extra ounces, oh man, I would have. I would have. You wouldn't be here today. Oh no, I might not be doing this podcast. Anyway, that was or you'd be, or you'd just be talking really fast. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and, no, no. Just going back, I, I've always I've said this with my seniors. Uh, John fourteen nine. He who has seen the son has also seen the father. And I always use this illustration uh, with my students. I have my cousin Hamar. Um, he lives up in Houston, and we are very much the same, like exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And so we've we I've always heard this term with my family, and they say, "Hey, if 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 you like Hamar, you're gonna like uh, you're gonna like Omar or Julio, which is me." And he's like, "Cause they're exactly the same." And so obviously that's a that's a uh, decreased version of what he is saying. <laughs> but I, I, I so the son is equating uh, Jesus is equating himself with the Father, mm-hmm. and so we should we should take that. Um, and Colossians says that too. He's a fullness of deity. Yeah, you know, in human form. Mm-hmm. And also the warning that he he said in uh, John eight twenty four of him claiming to be God, where he says, "Therefore I say to you that you will die in your sin, unless you believe that I am He, or you will die in your sin." Mm-hmm. Those are some very powerful words claiming deity of who he is the ultimate judge the ultimate judge yeah absolutely yeah and then that brings it also to brings back to matthew when the pharisees when he's when he uh when he's like i've forgiven your sins he's telling the, hmm. the layman and he says what is easier uh for for man to forgive sins or to rise up Don't and walk and then walk. it just completely blows their mind he's equating himself there with god mm-hmm. well, and even as he says you know before <laughs> abraham was i, I am. am yeah he he's, uses the the, yeah, the, the I am the name of, of God. And Jehovah, yeah, he's just quoting what uh, Exodus three fourteen mm-hmm. right there uh, in the burning bush that yeah he, he is Yahweh he is Jehovah yeah, Yehovah, yeah. You know? so we should we should talk about that too as well the the I am um, what, whatever God is saying I am what what is he getting at Chad when he says I am the great I am kind of that I, eternal nature I haven't I wasn't something in the past that started I wasn't I'm not something that just exists in the present right. or in the future he's saying no matter where you go, I am. Yeah. So it just states his eternality in every way. Yeah. I always, th- you know what I, what is it? It was uh, Conor McGregor and the Floyd Mayweather fight. How are you going to tie this back into I am in Exodus, Julio? Um, I, I found something very interesting, and I always noticed when um, when Conor McGregor was, was boxing Floyd Mayweather. I mean, Floyd, May- Floyd Mayweather's record is perfect. I mean, it's, what, what is he like? I'm probably going to get the number wrong, but is he like 51, 52 or something like that, undefeated? And then you have um, Conor McGregor going up to the stage and he says, I am boxing. And I was like, dude, that's a huge (laughs) statement. Like, and so that whole just phrase, I am, Hmm. is just a, a, a way of saying, I am the best. Like, if you're going to look to anybody who is good or who's the best at this, I am. You're gonna look to me, and I, I kind of laughed and I said, "Please, like Floyd Mayweather has all authority to say I am boxing. He he's one of the best be fighters ever." Yeah, I mean, he's undefeated. Either. He's an excellent boxer. I mean, regardless of what you say, I have bad respect for that man. He's he's, but um, just to tie back up into God and Exodus, I am like God. Exactly what Chad was saying. God is saying I am eternal. I'm not dependent on anybody. And and just like it says in uh, I believe in in Acts or just all things through Him and in Him. 
come forth. Um, uh, you know, uh, we exist just by him alone. So he, he's not existing on, on anybody. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees knew what he was talking about when he said, I am. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and they would tell him, for good works. That's we don't why they were so offended. They were so offended. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because he, he said, for good works, him. we don't want to stone you, you know. So you being a man claim to be equal with God. Hmm. They knew that what he was talking about when he said that he, he he's he, before Abraham was, I am. Mm-hmm. And that. They flipped out. They got that got them crazy. That's right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I wish I can go back in time and just see this reaction. <laughs> yeah, like, be a fly on the it, wall. And be watch in the fly. Yeah, yeah. I, like the I don't know if uh, uh, the the nineteen eighty uh, cartoon Superbook. I guess they did a remake, uh, and it was like these little kids going back in time in the Bible stories, and you know yeah. they're being infused watching in there and watching outside. everything is just great. So for all the people who know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, no, I, I just. I think this is important. This is extremely important on the topic today is to, to, to uh, just the, who Christ was, who, is, who his person was. And there's also uh, a, something that I think is absolutely significant. You have uh, Bart Ehrman. I was on his blog, and it's uh, Jesus as God in the Synoptics, and I'll, I'll put it on the, uh, the link below for the podcast for you guys to read it in its entirety. I have some quotes here, but Bart Ehrman is no a fan of the Christian faith. As a matter of fact, he's an apostate. He went to seminary. He left the, the faith. But he, he uh, and, and this is just an objection you'll get on the deity of Christ with, with atheists. So some atheists believe that, um, I believe the order, Chad, that, that we hold to is it was Mark that was first, Luke, Matthew, and then John, I believe, right? So it was, it was in that order. And so what atheists and some have objective, like Bart Ehrman, is they'll say that, well, the whole deity of Christ was progressive. That, and so what they're trying to get at is since Mark's the first, um, towards the end, finally, Christ is deified. And then as the, the Gospels, the synoptic Gospels, which means seen all together, as they were created um, in order, that the, deif- the deification of Christ, which mm-hmm. is John is the one that absolutely, and even Bart Ehrman affirms that Christ is God. And so, but it's just so interesting that now he, um, he doesn't believe that. And he wrote a whole entire article um, on that. And, and I'll just, just for the sake of time, he, I'll just quote his conclusion of it. He says, now I agree that Jesus is portrayed as divine, a God man in all gospels, but in, in very different ways, depending on which gospel you read. And so again, this is just, I'm just trying to use this to support the uh, Christ person. Even people who don't believe it are sta- yes. clearly stating that the Gospels were proclaiming yeah. it. Yeah, you have to go to the Scriptures. And, and, and even, like, for example, Mark, he says in the article, you could, guys, you could go and read it. Again, this is somebody who's not a Christian. <laughs> but he, he, he ends up saying in, in his article that it's assumed, right? So it's already presumed that mm-hmm. God, uh, that Jesus was was God incarnate. He was fully fully man, fully, fully God. Um but it was just in John, however, that just really tries to drive it home for the audience. And so, um, so yeah, that's just something I believe this is foundation. I don't know if you had anything else to say, Chad, on that. Nope, I think that covers it. That covers it? Okay, so this is, and I'll, I'll try to have, have you do this, the, uh, Jesus is his work. So what has he done for us? Why is this, why is this so important um, as Christians, Chad? Yeah, I think there's, so if you look at two key things, at least in a very simple, straightforward way, why we would believe in this Christ alone is, is first just the statements of Scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, Scripture states that he is the sole source. It's, he's the only way. We see that in John 14, mm-hmm. 6, he, and Jesus makes that statement. First Timothy two five says there's only one mediator between God and man, the mm. man Christ Jesus. Right. So it's making this these 
very unique, uh, individual, you know, exclusive uh, statements. Even Paul in, in Romans 5, as he's given a, a theology of sin coming into the world and righteousness coming into the world, uh, says the same thing, that sin came into the world through one man, the man Adam and his act, and righteousness came into the world through Jesus one act there's no one else that's included in the discussion at all so even in everywhere you go and then lastly as you quoted to start off this this whole podcast as Paul proclaimed the gospel there's no other name by which we must be saved Mm -hmm. than Jesus Christ Uh, so that he is the sole source is what scripture says outright Mm -hmm. but, but then as you mentioned why is he so? I think getting to that next level is why is he mm-hmm. proclaimed as the only source of salvation? Yeah, uh, goes into a whole number of things we could talk about, but but several of them fit clearly with uh, what we've already talked about. One is you know going back to sola de gloria mm-hmm. is is when he is the sole source of salvation. It's perfectly unified with what Scripture says about God being the purpose ultimate purpose of salvation is yes. to glorify his name, to bring mm-hmm. attention to the goodness and greatness of who he is. God, yeah. And when Christ is that only source, it clearly communicates that. And Romans three twenty-one through 26 probably captures that as well as any passage in the scriptures. And mm-hmm. it ends with the fact that, that God is both just and the justifier mm. to those who have faith in Christ. Yes. So, so we're not even participating. We're in the courtroom. We're just sitting there guilty, <laughs> and he's both a defender, he's yeah. a judge, he's the prosecuting attorney, he's, he's every all aspect of it. Yeah, of it. yeah and, and that's that's amazing to think that like when you put it when you're just yeah. like at judgment, he is going to be our judge, our attorney, our prosecutor. <laughs> I'm just like, it, it, and I'm just thinking about it when you just right. said that. Like, yeah. wow, because God has given all authority mm-hmm. to him, yeah. and, and we're gonna, it's going to be humbled and on our knees that we're even there and i think as soon as we start including anything else that we've done to contribute suddenly god becomes a little bit in our debt Mm -hmm. and suddenly he owes us something and now suddenly there's a part of his glory that he he's gonna he's gonna give some of his glory he says he's gonna glorify us with with himself because he's gonna give us that unique position as sons and daughters Mm -hmm. which is amazing but it's not because we've earned it right it's out of his gracious gift and yeah. what he's accomplished through Christ. And so mm-hmm. that's obviously a key factor that he gets all the glory when Jesus mm-hmm. does that. And it, and it produces, I think, a humility that should characterize the church. Yeah. It hasn't always and it isn't always going to as long <laughs> as there's humans. But as an institution, yeah. you can see that churches that have denied this uh-huh. have a very hierarchical and and a, a, a structure that mm. breeds pride. Even the Pharisees of Jesus' mm-hmm. time, you know, they wanted the seats of honor. They wanted all these things because they right. believed, hey, I'm somehow meriting this position, mm-hmm. this righteousness that I yeah. have. And that logically leads to a structure that has tiers of greater Christians and yeah. lesser Christians. Yeah. And, and I think within the church as a whole, that is not how, what we mm-hmm. see being portrayed uh, scripturally. Uh, nor is it healthy yeah. in how it actually works itself out. So yeah. I think the other aspect of it, too, another aspect that, that points to the fact that he's the only source is because we needed a perfect substitute. Mm. You know, there is no one else that could bear our sins, mm-hmm. and there's no, which, which is, if you simplify salvation, it's not just forgiveness of sin, someone who will be that sacrifice as Jesus yeah. was, because all that would do is level, you know, it would just level us off. It would just make us 
you know, it would remove our sin, but just removing our mistakes mm-hmm. or our sin wouldn't make us right with God. We'd need a righteousness that's equivalent yeah. or equal to him. <laughs> and so, you know, that's it would be like a, a kid who's playing football uh-huh. wants to become an NFL professional player uh-huh. and he's played Pop Warner or he's played junior <laughs> high and you know he's fumbled a few times had some right. penalties and someone said hey I'm going to come by and I'm going to wipe off your record every mistake you've ever made in middle school mm-hmm. in high school and football that's great that would remove his record mm-hmm. and make him a perfect player yeah. but if he doesn't have the ability in a sense the righteousness the character to be an NFL player it doesn't matter right. that he has a clean record in the past he doesn't merit being on an NFL team. Right. And that's kind of salvation as well, that it's not just our sins being forgiven. We need Mm -hmm. a righteousness given to us that qualifies us to be in the presence of God himself. And Jesus is the only person that, that brings both of those to the table. Yeah. And and that's why it's important that, um, uh, Jesus came and fulfilled the law completely. Yeah. The The requirements of God and living perfectly. Because, like you said, it's just not enough that he just died, but he had to live righteously for us on this earth through the works. Absolutely. And, and, and completing and, and being perfect mm-hmm. and, and, and seeing his deity again and, yeah. and how he his lived. Deity. And only God himself can fulfill his own law perfectly. That's just something that needs to be addressed. Right. Like, only him. It, it, it honestly goes back to that. And that's why it took God incarnate to come and save us. And these passages, like we see mm-hmm. in First Peter two twenty two, says he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. That mm. reveals Jesus' deity. Going on in that yeah. passage, it says he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Mm. You know, by his wounds you have been healed. Yes. Hebrews four fifteen. Again, talking about his deity and his perfection, yeah. and yet his sacrifice for us. He says, we don't have, have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And so we see that all these aspects of him being a perfect substitute, mm. him you know, being the one who stood in our place, and, and we can't contribute anything right. to that. Right. What, what could we possibly bring to the table? No, and, no, no. And, and is it okay, if you can explain a little bit further, of what we know as uh, um, W imputation? Can you kind of clarify that as we were touching on it for our audience? And Yeah, so 2 Corinthians 5.21 is a great passage. It talks about this this theological word of, of imputation or being mm-hmm. imputed, and it says... You know, God made him, his son, who knew no sin, to become sin sin. for us so that we might become his righteousness. You see that double imputation Mm -hmm. in that one passage where Jesus, who was sinless, as we've seen in the cross and in that moment, God took our sin, the sin of those who have placed their trust in him, and mm-hmm. put them on Jesus. So he became sin, even though he was never a sinner. That, that's a, a metonymy for mm-hmm. not what he was, but the effect of it. He became the consequence, or Jesus took the consequence of sin, even though he was never a sinner, so that we could receive the consequence mm-hmm. of his perfect life. And so both of those are imputed. Our sin imputed on Jesus and judged by God's wrath at that right. moment in his righteous life imputed on us. Yeah. As, as Martin Luther came to understand, <laughs> the righteousness of God is not something that we achieve, mm-hmm. but it's something that's declared of us mm-hmm. through Christ, that declarative 
justification or righteousness. And right? that's why in judgment, he's not going to look at us. He's going to look at himself exactly, <laughs> yeah. and at what he did for us. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, I was talking with my friend, uh, well, one of my friends after service yesterday as we were driving back, and, and we, we, were, we were touching on this subject, like God's sovereignty, how it's all him. Like, you know, we have no choice. It's by his grace mm. that we even come to know him. Um, and, and, and we're, as the Bible says, we're children of wrath. Like all of our deeds are filthy rags. Mm. Um, I mean, the Bible, I could just quote on and on just total depravity. You go back and check me and Abe's podcast on total depravity to, to go through that. But honestly, whenever you, you look into the grace of God, it should honestly and truly humble you. Mm. Because at the end of the day, like you, you truly have nothing to boast about in, in, right. in, in, in God. And I was talking to my friend because he was saying so like you know we have no we have no choice like you know it's just by god's grace i said yeah he it's by grace that we are saved i think it's none of our works and and to me i think once i enter into god's presence i know just one thing and it was when these truths truly hit me this is where i'm getting at um when i finally got the gospel completely and i read that verse um you know he who knew no sin god made him to be sin for us Hmm. i just Honestly, I, I have to sit back and I just think to myself, why me? You know, it's, it's a very honest question. And it's very humbling as well that God chose me since, since the foundations of the world. And it's not something that I can completely grasp or understand, but it's so beautiful and comforting and peaceful. And I just, you know, and, and Pastor, it's, all, it's amazing. And Pastor, why do you think that people still want to take credit for what Christ did on the cross? Mm, yeah, that, that's a good question. I mean, we... we a lot of people just run to this wall that they need to contribute to what God can only do alone. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, lo- a lot of answers to that. Mm-hmm. One of them is just, you know, our human pride, yeah. right. our desire to to want to feel like we have more personal worth than we really do. And, mm-hmm. it, and it allows us to measure ourselves with others. I think the yeah. other key one, too, that we often don't think about is... is um, the reality that when we feel like we've done something, we've done something that's earned God's favor, it, what that does is it puts God in our debt mm-hmm. and it allows us to stay on our throne. So it's like, I've done this now, God, you owe me this kind of life or you owe me this outcome. And it allows us, as we love to as humans, keep ourselves on the throne. But when it's purely by God's grace, then it means God can literally ask anything of us and we're at his mercy for that. And that's not a spot that we as humans like. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, I, I, there's, um, we, we always say uh, that Jesus is a uh, prophet, priest, and king. And I think we should definitely go, before we go on to, to some of the Catholic doctrine and compare and contrast. But I, I, I really wanted to go over Jesus as being prophet. And this was something, while preparing this podcast that like truly hit me um and people will use the objection that hey um christ is considered a prophet right so he's he's considered a prophet and uh, muslims mm-hmm. believe that he was just a prophet and so what that happened when, when we think of it in that way right from that, those presuppositions that he was just a prophet we also we we uh we get we rid him away christ of his deity and just make him a man but when the new testament talks about Christ being a prophet, uh, when we when we compare it to the Old Testament of of what the prophet was doing, is he was speaking on behalf of God to the mm-hmm. people. He was speaking the words of God, and so when it's 
speaking of Christ as prophet, it's speaking of him, he is the prophet, which is every word that comes out of his mouth is God. Hmm. So he is the prophet. You know, so if there's anybody who's going to achieve some some ability, a prophet, it was Christ. And, 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 and so that's one thing that we really need to see as Christians. And that's just an apologetic, too, to maybe uh, the, the, the defense from, from a Muslim. You know? Yeah, and the prophets. You say, of course, yeah, he was a prophet. He was the prophet. Yeah, he was the prophet. <laughs> he was the highest standard of the prophet because he was he was God. It says, and he uh, my words only are true. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. You see, that those offices were always divided between multiple people. Yes. You know, rarely did any one person is a few unique spots, but usually it was you were a king, you were a priest, yeah. or you were a prophet. But he was, he was all of all those three in one. In one. <laughs> and we can see the prophets of the Old Testament. You know, Jeremiah. You know, they always were clear. Is it, you know, I put my words in your mouth mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to speak on behalf of God. They'd say, Thus right. saith the Lord. Thus, Thus saith the Lord, Lord not yeah. what Jeremiah says. Exactly. I mean, and, and how can you not see that? Because if man's human nature wants to take credit for, right, we were just talking yeah. about that, but those prophets knew that God was doing mm-hmm. the work mm-hmm. and not man. And even Jesus in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, you see in a very subtle but clear way, is, you know, when he was talking about the law, he says, you've heard that it was said, but I say to you, he doesn't say, but God says to you, or the Bible says, <laughs> yeah. he just comes out and said, but I say to you, saying, I, I yeah. trump all of this old revelation, all yeah. oral tradition, all written tradition. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, he just speaks he, right from yeah. his, it's his incredible. own personhood. This goes back to like him being prophet. He is... um. It says, uh, my word is truth, John seventeen seventeen, And then also, too, when in, in John, I believe it's it's not chapter 6. Um, but anyway, with Peter, um, when he tells the disciples, like, you guys are going to go? You guys are going to go? And then Jesus replies to him. I mean, Peter replies, like, where am I to go, mm-hmm. Lord? You have the words. You have the words of eternal life. Yeah. And that's just right there is just like they recognize that this is God incarnate mm-hmm. in the flesh. This is the Christ. This is the Messiah that was prophesied in the verse. Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. it's <laughs> it's amazing. And then another thing that we could think about as I was thinking of, of his pro- his prophetic role was even when Jesus would would enter the, the synagogues, when he would um, um, proclaim the, the kingdom of God, people recognized even the, the scribes and the Pharisees are like, man, this guy speaks with authority. authority. And so in, in that sense, this is just something that I really want to hit home is, is Christ as prophet. He was, again, going back to his deity. It always has to go back to his mm-hmm. deity. He was prophet in the sense he was the prophet. He, he spoke on behalf of God because he was God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that is just, I don't know if you guys have anything to add on that before we now go to his, his, pre, his priestly role. We're good? I think, I think we're good. good. I mean, I can just point out one, just one quick verse in Matthew five seventeen, and we know this verse. He says, "For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth passes away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law, mm-hmm. until all is accomplished." Yeah, including his death, burial, yeah. and resurrection. His death and his, until and his, he finishes and it. He finishes and he comes back and takes it away. Yes. That's another podcast. That's that another eschatology. <laughs> I, I got, I got, I got the two pre mills. I got two pre mills against one post mill. I'm post. And then an a mill, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we got, we got, yeah, you got. Steve an doesn't know what he is. Yeah, He's confused. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, and then we have uh, two Baptists and a Presbyterian. Yeah, <laughs> but that makes it a fair fight. <laughs> okay, so um, now his priestly role. I think then this is this right here to me hits hits home hmm. on 
on truly just the, the compare and contrast between uh, Catholic doctrine and Protestant doctrine, or just the, the truth in general. Um, I, I wouldn't even call it either or, as we have the truth mm-hmm. and you know the opposite is an error. And again, I, I don't say that to be boastful. I say it in love, guys. Um, but anyway, his priestly role, so the, the great high priest is what we refer to as, as Jesus in the priestly role had two categories, which was uh, being uh, to the role was sacrifice and also to make uh, intercession. And so the the sacrifice of the cross is what first comes to mind when anybody thinks of Christ's work, hmm. right? His 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 death that was on the cross. Um, it says in Isaiah that he was he was beaten and stricken upon, you know, even beyond recognition. And so it was that process that we think of as a sacrifice. And so the result of the sacrifice was the atonement of sin. And so if we point back to the Old Testament, Chad, you know, just the sacrifices of bulls, goats, lambs, doves, etc. Mm-hmm. How does that ultimately point to Christ in, in, his, in his sacrifice? Just the priestly, just with the priestly role. Obviously, they they symbolize what we've talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Is even in often those sacrifices, the priest would lay his hands on the goat, mm-hmm. and it's this sense of imputing the sins of the people onto the goat, and then that goat would either be sent out if it mm-hmm. was a scapegoat, or it'd be sacrificed uh, in that process as well to show that this was a substitute. It was an unblemished. You know, physically yes. unblemished to yeah. point to what was to come and Christ being the ultimate Lamb of God. So obviously that was repeated over and over again, uh, pointing them towards the salvation that would come. That Romans 5 mm-hmm. talks about, uh, or Romans 3, as we talked about earlier, how God, you know, overlooked those things or covered them in that until the point when Christ came, when he would, you know, make restitution or re- make justification for those sins, even in the past, as people had faith in the one who is to come. But but obviously, that's as we've talked about here, one of the differences between Protestantism and, and Roman Catholic uh, teaching is is they still have a lot of that Old T- Testament structure within mm, yeah. Roman Catholicism, whether the, the priesthood or their belief in the the mass being a, a, an ongoing, you know, sacrifice of Christ that's being offered over and over again, and part of what they believe you need to participate in for grace and for merit, uh, where you know we would believe, as Hebrews tells us in other places, that that Christ's sacrifice was once for all, and even as mm. the whole book of Hebrews is laid out to show that Jesus is superior to the whole Testament system. You know, it starts, he's superior to angels, he's superior to the prophets or Moses, he's Mm -hmm. superior to the law, to the priesthood, he's superior to the temple sacrifices. Mm -hmm. And it goes on to say where they had to be offered, you know, year in and year out over Mm -hmm. and over again, his sacrifice was offered once for all all to purify all those who would be sanctified. And so that's where, again, we believe it's Christ alone. That's that's it. Yeah. And that belief in him is sufficient. Yeah. And, and and that was a great divide of the 16th century, right? Infused grace, right? And then mm-hmm. versus imputed righteousness. Mm-hmm. And this is where it all began, right? A lot of that was, yeah, that they felt like grace was being infused, so to speak, as opposed to, uh, as we would probably as Protestants, we would still say that there is a grace within it. But the grace and all the things that we do are not to merit grace or mm-hmm. to receive grace, but to point us to the one who offers us grace. So ours are more symbolic in nature that we celebrate the Lord's Supper in a memorial mm-hmm. way to remember what he did to point us back to his all sufficiency mm-hmm. and remind us of 
you know, why we have the position that we have in Christ and why we have the, the grace that we've received. And, and why doesn't the Catholic Church see that? I mean, the words are there. Why? And when, when we look at it, there's just, if that's what they believe, there's just insufficiency in, in the cross. Why, why, why is the church saying, hey, like, the, here are the words of God, but hey, uh, Jesus is death on the cross is not enough. Mm-hmm. We need to mm-hmm. infuse this grace through sacraments and we, you know, talked a little bit. Right. Can you explain that a little bit more? So obviously no, no one can fully judge motives mm-hmm. for that. But if you look at say actions historically mm-hmm. and even how it comes about when, when Martin Luther was struggling with these things and even back in that time when, mm-hmm. um, you know, when indulgences were in place, one of the the things that the Catholic Church struggled with was when God's Word was being translated into a readable language. You know, John Wycliffe was one of the first guys to take it from the Latin Vulgate and put it into Middle English, and that just, right. you know, sent the church into an eruption that the average person could read it yeah. because they realized they were going to lose control over that. And so whether it was the sale of indulgences, which mm. brought in tremendous wealth to the Catholic Church, and seeing how scripture, you know, clearly talked against those types of things. Mm. When when you're in a position to offer an infused grace, you're in a position of power over other people. And as we see that outworking in, a, in an organization like the Roman Catholic Church and yeah. just humanity in general, you know, I don't want to say it only happens in the Roman Catholic Church. It happens in Protestantism as well, mm-hmm. when people veer from that and and put too much reverence on a pastor or a a religious Mm. leader outside of scripture, it gives them a power that's not used to serve others, but to control others. And I think that's probably at the heart of of it throughout the church, whether it's the Roman Catholicism in a more structured way or Protestantism Mm. in, you know, versions of it that shouldn't be, but still exist because there's humans within those organizations. Yeah, wow. Yeah, no, I, yeah. And we talked about it a little bit about that last week with Matt Slick about con- control of the church. Yeah. Him, you know, and we you, talked a little bit about that. And Pastor, that, yeah. you put that very beautifully. And yeah, that was that, great. That was well put. Thank that you. That was great. You um, notice how Julio has control of the soundboard over there, too. He likes to cut us off and turn us on whenever he wants. <laughs> oh, so yeah. It exists everywhere. Yeah, even on, <laughs> this, po- even on this podcast. You give someone power and they're going to use it to their advantage. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. He, he doesn't Ch- like to give it Chad, up a little bit. I mean, uh, Steve's been watching out for me. He's making sure that he if we mention anything about you know baptismal regeneration (laughs) infant baptism (laughs) submersion you know julio just shuts that thing off yeah you've had some profound statements today abe but none of them are on this podcast because julio's he's gonna edit me out he has he's he's shut you down so he better better now i thought it was so fun just to declare i i do hold to fatal baptism but it was funny getting ready for this podcast chad texts me and he goes we're gonna what did you you text me what did you text me i said yeah only if we can sweep out some of the remnants of um, (laughs) Catholicism, like fatal baptism. Oh man, we should. Def- I definitely would love to have a podcast on just that open discussion. I think that would be good for our, our listeners just to discuss. And and you know, so. the, and that's the great thing about bridge ministry. Like we have all these different views and, and within like orthodoxy, we yeah, can yeah, embrace each other. And, and embrace and love each other and say, hey, let's discuss these things because they are those things that we discuss that mm-hmm. that our foundation is in Christ and Christ alone, as we're talking. So Chris does, but there's other things that you know, second tier doctrines that probably as theologians call it, we, we, we have uh, mm-hmm. some differences, right. you know, right. but still doesn't change anything of how we're saved. 
And, yeah. and the arguments are still grounded in s- scripture. Absolutely. You see that both of these positions, these guys are coming to scripture and saying, hey, what is scripture saying? Mm-hmm. How are we, you know, there's, there, there's even similarities in interpretation, but you can vary in how you interpret mm-hmm. something symbolically. Cons- you know, it's not like you're allegorizing it necessarily, but you, we know we don't always know when's the best t- time to take something symbolically or more literally or what that, that's still, yeah. you know, in our human judgment, we're imperfect in that. But you can yeah. see these truths grounded in scripture yeah. as opposed yeah. to some things that are just being stated by authorities within the church making statements that clearly contradict what what scripture teaches clearly right and i would say the the moment that you should veer off we'll get back to the subject here in a bit but the moment you should veer off is when someone says something like um yeah like god uh, G- i believe jesus was just a prophet and a man a good man but yet declare that they're christian mm-hmm. i think that's when you have to really draw the line in the sand because that goes against christian orthodoxy mm-hmm. and all or if someone says like no i believe we are we are completely good and someone could achieve their their own righteousness for themselves like there's someone out there and that's that's straight up pelagianism i think that's when you really have to it's to, a cult is a cult yeah <laughs> let's call it what it is yeah 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 i mean when you know in the jw's you know do that that Jesus is another God mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to get around a lot of these verses. And, and mm-hmm. we know that there's just one God, one mm-hmm. God only. Right. Okay, so back to the subject of, of sacrifice. I have some uh, some scripture here I want to read before we get on to, to, to really the, the compare and contrast. But we have Hebrews 9.14 that says, and this is going back to Christ being perfect without blemish, how he was the perfect sacrifice and he fulfilled the law perfectly. And so how not only was our prophet, but he was also our priest. And so Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more with the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purifying our conscience from the dead, mm. works to serve the living God, 1 Peter 1.19, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of the lamb without blemish or spot. It says, so that's again just I'm really driving it home with scripture. This is what scripture has to say in here. We believe that um, the the Bible's the the word of God. And then we also have intercession, right? So the priest would also make intercession. Mm-hmm. I think this is important for for us going into to the next series. I just have some scripture here. For we do not so sorry, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Uh, Jesus' priesthood, again, consequently, he is able to save the uttermost, those who draw near to God through him, since he has always, uh, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Um, and so that's just, I don't know if anybody has, has anything to say on that before we go. It's comforting. It is comforting. Yeah, and to know that if, if you have him to intercede, why would we need anyone else to intercede? Yes. Why would we go to another human? Why would we go mm-hmm. to another person, uh, regardless of how... Uh, godly a follower of they were they were still following Christ and their merits were only because of what Christ did for them so mm-hmm. why go to a secondary source when the right. actual source is available so mm-hmm. pastor I can't come to your office and you can forgive my sins you can't <laughs> no. no no I got another scripture here just to, uh, so that way we go on to, to unless you've sinned first. against me I can forgive you okay <laughs> Romans 8 13 uh, 34 says, Who is condemned? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Hmm. So again, it just goes back to what kind of support what Chad was saying, that uh, 
you know, we wouldn't need mere humans right. or the, the apostles or the, the saints or and Mary, and we're going we're to get at it a bit. And then just Christ's office as king, was just, just for the sake of time, Matthew 28 says, He has all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples uh, and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as we've always said, you'll hear Christians uh, often say he's Jesus is king of kings, lord of lords. And uh, we go onto that in, in another in another podcast. But um, I think all this is important for uh, just to take into consideration for what we're about to go into now. Um, so, uh, Chad, the the masses, right? Mm-hmm. You had, we at the beginning, we talked about Swingley, how he, he saw uh, what mass was. So what is mass and how, how does it sort of uh, play into, as looking at some of the stuff that we've looked in, why is, why would we consider it as wrong or inconsistent right so the mass the, what the roman catholics would believe is the mass in particular with the eucharist is the actual offering and sacrifice of jesus christ uh, each time and provides mm. forgiveness in its participation that's right out of the catholic catechism mm. uh that statement and so <clears throat> they, they believe kind of like you see in the old testament that this is a regular practice that people have to be part of, and, mm-hmm. it, and it merits and brings about or provides forgiveness in its right. participation. Where we as Protestant churches, and there's some differing views on on the Lord's Supper. You know, some in terms of the actual presence of Christ being mm-hmm. there, but not right. not to transubstantiation, where we believe that the elements actually become the body and the blood of Christ right. and are sacrificed again. But the the idea is more that it's a memorial or it's a, 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 a form of worship that mm-hmm. points us back to what Christ has done for us, not something that merits grace or infuses grace mm-hmm. into us at that moment. And so right. now you have you know two sources of, mm-hmm. of grace, so to speak, or two sources of salvation. So that's obviously one of the key aspects of the Mass that we would disagree with that we feel is inconsistent with scripture and the other practices is a lot of what you see in catholicism with terms of saints and a lot of their beliefs in terms of why you would pray or or turn to a saint is they believe these people who may have been godly people or did a lot of good works have Mm -hmm. an abundance or an additional excess of good works Mm -hmm. and so in you appealing to them in a sense, what you're saying is, hey, I'm appealing to this saint or that saint because they have some additional or extra works that I can credit to my account, and that's going to help mm-hmm. me, which is ironic because th- th- there's, that's a biblical truth. It's just not associated with other people. That's what's right. happened in Christ. And you think, why would we want anyone else's merits on our right. behalf when we have Christ's mm-hmm. merits ba- based on us? So in a sense, it's taking what only should reside in the person of Christ and his righteousness being credited to us, as we see in 2 Corinthians 5.21, as we Mm -hmm. talked about. Now we're suddenly substituting other people into that spot instead of him alone. Yeah, yeah. And so going back to the Mass, um, I think think it really, you have to go back with, or as Protestants, and I say, well, it's a once-for-all sacrifice. That's what it says in the scripture, and I'm, I'm reading it, that mm-hmm. when Christ was crucified on the cross and he said, it is finished, yeah. at that moment, it's I wasn't born yet, but all my sins were instantly forgiven at that moment. Yeah. And when he raised from the dead, it says, I was raised with him as well. And th- that's such a comforting thing. So, again, it's something that Abe has said, and we talked about it in the previous podcast, is that when you say... 
um, you know, I'm, I'm re-sacrificing Christ. What you're also mm-hmm. saying is that Christ's sacrifice that was on the cross on Calvary was not mm-hmm. enough. enough yeah. And we need to do it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And to me, I mean, whenever I, whenever I hear that, I just I shake my head. <laughs> I'm like, that's why why would somebody do that to the cross jesus i mean he he was incarnated in the flesh he he never sinned he was born he was here he lived he he was tempted he went through all the things that we went through and he mm. had flesh he he had flesh that we have literally mm. to atone for our sins the reason he came as a man was so that way he could be torn apart on that day and be and be nailed to a cross yeah and for our atonement and yes and for our listeners he took all that nastiness, mm-hmm. that dirtiness, mm-hmm. that just filthiness that we have, and he paid for it on the cross. I, I think we forget uh, sometimes as Christians is that, man, we're really just not good people, right? Yeah. We talked about this on mm-hmm. the depravity. I'm not going to go into this. Yet. Yeah, it's a whole <laughs> different rabbit trail. Yeah, we need to do the part two of that soon. <laughs> we but, do. I mean, I mean, like, man. Like, he just paid yeah. for it. And that's why our faith is in him alone, because mm-hmm. he paid for it all. And how offensive it is when we think that anyone else could possibly come along and partner, or that he needed anyone else to help him yeah. accomplish mm-hmm. that, is really blasphemous of God and oh, the work that he's absolutely. clearly communicated to us. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And then the merits, this is just for our listeners as well. If you could clarify, Chad, and, and if I'm right in, in, in understanding this. What we mean by the saints uh, uh, had extra merit was that their time on uh, their time here on earth during their ministry, they did they had an abundance of good works, right? So they were building it up almost like a um, how would you say uh, like 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 a checking account, like a bank account. I don't know. They That's were right. they were earning merit. So they and and so when they died, they had an abundance. Um, so they met a certain level, but mm-hmm. then not only that, they met the level that they needed, but they had an excess. Right. So whenever we enter, whenever they entered in heaven, they had excess merit, which they could distribute back to us here on earth. Exactly. Am, I, am I correct in, in just yes. clarifying that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so speak to that on indulgences, because that's where indulgences comes from as well, which is us getting some of that merit, right? Yeah, and indulgences can can you know is is more a purchasing of that okay grace a purchasing okay where you could you know purchase or give a a gift that would somehow purchase that forgiveness or mm-hmm. whether it was for you or for uh, a past family member you know that again is is making that meritorious work mm-hmm. you know something that had to be paid for that's not freely given by grace mm-hmm. uh, and it. It puts it in the control of those who are in the position to mm-hmm. to receive those, and I think that's uh, that was one of the major. I mean, if you if you look at Martin Luther's actual ninety five theses, it's not a whole bunch of theological statements. Mm-hmm. Almost every single one of them is addressed specifically towards the practice of indulgences. Mm-hmm. That's what he came to see: is this practice is so anti, mm. you know, Christian or anti biblical. Yeah, that that's what truly kind of pushed him over the edge and caused him, and, and it was a big debate of what was going on during right. that time in terms of the popehood and in Germany and and some of the political aspects that uh-huh. were coming around that were, you know, bringing about the indulgences that were being sold by Pope Leo of that time, mm-hmm. uh, and that eventually paid for, you know, the 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 church, the Saint Peter's, 
mm-hmm. in there. He needed funds for that, and and Germany had some political things that they needed, and they needed a certain seat purchased. And so between mm-hmm. the two of them, you know, they were able to accomplish those things. And that's what I think threw Martin Luther over the top of just realizing how it took advantage mm-hmm. of people who really couldn't afford to right. do that, but felt like they needed to in order to be forgiven. And mm-hmm. and and some of that had to do, and that had to do with. You know, loved ones who were saying, hey, pass already, like, hey, if you go ahead and and, and we can transfer your family in purgatory can not suffer as long, right? right, right? Wow, what what a big lie. Hmm. (laughs) Well, we know that Satan is the father of all lies. I think one thing, and we talked about it with Matt Slick, that, I mean, it's, and this is the beauty of Christianity, was that God came and did everything for you. And then it is in that that you could have complete assurance mm-hmm, in it. Mm-hmm. And it's very scary because, you know, Mormonism and, and Jehovah's Witnesses and mm-hmm. even people uh, who are Muslim, right, um, they don't have the assurance like a Christian sh- could have, you know, as being a Catholic, just some of the stuff we're talking about. You're not really sure you're going to mm-hmm. enter the presence of God whenever you die. Or if not, you could have a, a what is it called, mortal sin, mm-hmm. which if you commit suicide or, you know, and, and there's we, that's a whole different topic. But that just one sin, there's one sin that you could just could obliterate it and now you know you're going mm-hmm. to hell. And I, I just sit back and think sometimes, I was like, man, it, imagine believing that lie and then just, like, how, not only how you feel, but how you would act from now on like from that point on hmm. and so like so if you do believe you've committed a mortal sin you can't be forgiven then everything you could just continue sinning live up to grab but the, the grace of god is so powerful to overcome it and even in just saying that that there is a sin that could cast you out of the presence of god is also saying that the work again the work of christ is not enough mm-hmm. so there is a sin that is greater than christ and we would sit here today and say no there are no sin is greater than christ hmm. and i think that's just one thing that we need to to, to, to take into consideration as Christians and learn these truths. That's another the thing. Practical application. That's another that. question that I have for you, Chad. Um, I think it's funny that um, the Grace Bible Church, our church, we're going through the five solas as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I chose it uh, as well, completely separate. I had no idea uh, that our church was going was, was gonna to go on this five solas. Um, I, I gave some reasons why I think it is important. And so whenever you, you pick the topic of the five solos, why, why do you think it's so important for us to know these truths? Well, obviously, it's it's they're just core theological truths. So you mm-hmm. could have done this just as a basic theological teaching that says, hey, what are some of the core pillars of our faith? But I think even more so being in the context that we live in here, you know, probably 90 to 95% of the people that come to our church have come out of the Catholic Church, myself included. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of them, you know, we have family members that are still within that and don't understand the difference or why, why they are the way they are and, and, Mm -hmm. and the history behind that. And so this series helps us distinguish what is it that's different about our beliefs. There's a lot of commonalities between us. Obviously we come from the same roots Mm -hmm. as any Christian church would, but as we go on, we can either stay with those common roots of historicity or we can vary from them and you know that's kind of where these two branches come from mm-hmm. and understanding that journey is important yeah and it, it it helps you understand what you believe and why you believe it which is important exactly it's important. yeah it's um knowing these truths are, are absolutely important and uh, knowing that we can fall it back into them as protestantism has too it's splintered in many different directions and mm-hmm. has a lot of aberrant branches that have, mm-hmm. have done the same thing, you know, slid away from the scriptures or misinterpreted them in certain ways. So right. 
we're in no way uh, any better off or or or, or will can necessarily avoid those same errors. Right. You know, we're just as prone to them right. today if we don't stick with these core values that keep us centered on the person of Christ and how He's revealed to us through mm-hmm. the Word of the Word of Christ. Yeah, and, and that can be very subtle, right? Exactly. Like, where where <laughs> we're just like. You know, I got to do this for God. I got to do this for Christ. I got to do this. If mm-hmm. not, I'm not worthy. Exactly. And and, and that can be very dangerous. And it's just as prevalent yeah. in the in you know the Reformed or the or the you know Protestant Church in different ways. Yeah. We have to battle against that as well and keep us focused mm-hmm. on what's really true. Right. Wow. Yeah. I, I I use this analogy, this, this illustration with my students on a dartboard that's on the wall. And I said, the, the red dot that's there is God's perfect theology and truth. And I like, you know, we're, we're never going to attain that. Obviously, this is just an analogy. There's some people who could hit the red dot. But I said, but you're like super far back, like 20 feet, 30 mm. feet. You got to throw that dart and make sure you hit as close to that red dot as possible. And that's just in terms of theology, doctrine, mm. reading your Bibles. Being, you you got to really strive of wanting the truth of God based on his word alone. And I always say, you know, there's some people who hit the, who hit the wall. Mm. <laughs> they throw the dart and they hit the wall and they keep hitting and they keep hitting and they think that that's that's where we're at and it's and it's not and so um yeah that's just a another just something i wanted to add in um now going going back to there's another thing mary as well um hmm. i i was speaking with well one time i remember we we're playing uh, ultimate frisbee and jake paulson um he gathered us all up together and uh, he wanted to speak with us and he, he had just came back from a funeral um, and he, it really bothered him and, and touched him, um, that within the Catholic mass, within the service, they were deifying Mary mm. and it bothered him. And he came up and he's like, guys, I just, you know, I went to this, to this funeral service and everything that they were talking about was Mary, 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 and Christ was mentioned like one time. Mm. And so that's just something that, that I do want to talk about and address here on the podcast is they do believe um, that Christ is, I mean, uh, Mary is sinless, right? Am I correct? What, what well, is let, the... me, let me read yeah. right from the Catholic Catechism so yeah. we can go, go. state. So Sweet. one of the statements that says in paragraph 969 is finally the Immaculate Virgin, which is referring to, you know, what you talked about, preserved free from all stain of original sin when the course of her life was finished, was taken up body and soul into Mm. heavenly glory and exalted by the Lord as queen over all things. Mm. Taken up to heaven, she did not lay aside this saving office, but by her manifold intercession continues to bring us the gifts of eternal salvation. Therefore, the Blessed Virgin is invoked in the church under the titles of advocate, helper, benefactress, Mm. and mediatrix. And you know what's kind of fascinating about that? Is that those are all terms used of God? Yes, you know, I was just thinking that. You can see the three offices: the yeah. prophet, priest, mm-hmm. and king. There, absolutely. I mean, helper, advocate; those are both terms of you know the Paraclete, the Holy Spirit that will come alongside, mm. and the Mediatrix. You know, obviously, we read earlier in in First Timothy two that Jesus is the one mediator between right. God and man, and now mm. she has you know stepped into that role. So, yeah. so that well. so that so it goes through the priest, Mary, Christ, and then God. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it. Well, and it doesn't even. It, it honestly, that's I guess what's what's challenging about it is that's not what it really states. It almost states 
that she's, you know, in that same, she's bringing these gifts of eternal salvation. She is the advocate. She's a helper. So they're parallel. They're putting her parallel. Co-equals. Co-equals. Yeah. And then you see that some of the, some of them would say the co-mediatrics of that. And that's again, totally different than what we see revealed in Scripture, as we've talked about today. Mm. And, and Scripture nowhere does it say that. Right. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I was talking with one of my students on this. He was the one who listened to Matt Matt Slick's podcast, the uh, mm-hmm. last one. And he was talking about an encounter um, that he had like a year ago with someone who was Catholic, and she, she said that uh, Christ was sinless. And, uh, um, I'm, I, you know, I don't know if that's completely accurate what they believe in. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. Said that Christ was sinless? No, no, not Christ. Mary. Mary. I'm sorry. uh, Mary was sinless. I'm sorry. Christ is sinless. Yeah, be careful. They almost sound like heresy (laughs) They're going to be like, look what Julio said. Take it out of context and look. Um, Anyway, no, no. Mary was sinless. That's what they're saying. Well, that's what the Catholic catechism is saying. Right. The immaculate, you know, it capitalizes it in there and preserved free from all stain of original sin. And and so, you know, I I think of 1 John 10 says, uh, if we say we have no sin, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And so, whenever you equate someone like Mary, um, she was blessed to to give birth to the Messiah. I mean, absolutely blessed by the grace of God. Mm-hmm. That's such a beautiful thing to do. Yet, um, we should not worship her or put her parallel to Christ. Um, that's by definition what idolatry mm-hmm. is. It's when you replace. Uh, something that is attributed to God with something else, or you put it alongside mm-hmm. it, and that's a very dangerous thing to to absolutely to, to do. I'm and, sure if you talk to Joseph, mm-hmm. you know, and interview Joseph, he had some <laughs> He'd things. He'd tell us otherwise. Rise. Yep, yep. <laughs> Just like I'm sure our, our wives can too. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I I think that's just it's it's very uh, interesting just to to hear the catechism and their their. I'd, I'd imagine in that long ride to Bethlehem on the donkey, being nine months pregnant, you saw the original sin that yeah. existed in Mary. Yeah, yeah. Joseph yeah, yeah. got a very clear glimpse of that. Yeah, yeah. Don't put that there, Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> Whose idea was this? So upset. Yeah. yeah oh so man. Upset. Um, but no, no. In, in hey, Mary was the mother of Christ, and that, and she's blessed, and she was saved. But we would say that she was, she was sin, she sinned, and she, mm-hmm. she was, she was fully man. She, she was affected by the. Uh, by original sin. Mm-hmm. And, and that's an example we were talking about earlier when we got into the humanity and deity of Christ mm-hmm. or the, the, the plurality and unity of the Trinity is I understand part of what the Catholic Church is trying to accomplish mm-hmm. there is how do we explain the deity and perfection of Jesus Christ and then being born of a sinful fallen human yeah, being. That's a good Obviously topic, it yes. came out of that and and it's instead of holding the tension and saying, hey, there's a mystery to this that we don't fully understand, but it's clearly revealed to us in Scripture. They try to make a logical connection to say if mm-hmm. Jesus was sinless, then he had to be born of a sinless person. But the problem with that is, is you have to keep going back with that. So then who was Mary born to or how did she come here? Yeah, and that, yeah. that continues to pass back and you, you can't just stop the argument right at that point. Right. Yeah. Right, he was born of the Spirit, right. Christ. That was mm-hmm. that was who his father mm-hmm. was, and so that was his nature. And I mean, he could, yeah. And and, and it's, that's why it's important to see the genealogies that we see in Matthew and Luke, mm-hmm. right? And we yeah. see that that takes back from Mary 
all the way to Adam. Mm-hmm. And, be, and we know in Romans, right, mm-hmm. we talk about, right. you know, sin entered any, the world. Any descendant of Adam? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Carries with them the baggage of Adam. Yeah. yeah. Mary, you're guilty because of Adam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah. is everybody else. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, okay, so now uh, the, la- the last thing I really wanted to touch on. Hey, we, man, we went over time. I didn't think we were going to spend this long. Anyway, um, the Pope. We'll, we'll end with this. The, the role of, of the Pope, maybe the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. maybe what they attribute to, to, to themselves. Um, and, and what and why we would disagree with that? Yeah, probably the big thing would be when the pope, pope, as they say, speaks ex cathedra, then he is speaking, you know, literally the words of God mm. that they're without error and equivalent to Scripture. And even mm. through a council, you know, that can be, you know, in the right. same same situation when it's in a formal setting, not when he's just speaking off the cuff or giving a speech or something. It's that formal aspect of hey, when they've come out to say we're writing this out as truth Mm. you know from the church it's it's considered equivalent to god's word itself right do they consider the pope a sinless they wouldn't consider the pope sinless no No. okay okay yeah it it sounds like he's taking on the prophet role yeah well yeah they believe obviously he's descended from peter's role Mm. as being the first you know they would say peter was the first pope and and Peter obviously spoke revelation in a sense, or when mm-hmm. things he spoke were recorded by Mark and written down as revelation. And so they right. would believe the same thing is true. And obviously Peter, everything he said wasn't perfect or sinless. We know that mm-hmm. it's recorded in scripture, but oh, yet yeah. Yeah. he did obviously say some things that were inspired by God and recorded and, and kept for us. And so they just believe that the Pope mm. stands in that same Right, line, which isn't which isn't an Ill, an illogical thing in and of itself. You know, mm-hmm. we're so far removed from when the Bible was written that when we go back and even see how the Bible was canonized, and you, if you were to step right. into that period, you realize there's some mystery, there's some stuff here that you know is difficult to just understand in a simple human way because these books didn't just drop down from heaven mm-hmm. into our lap. There was a process by which they were put together, and some right. of it was God spoke through. Men inspired, not like they were, oh, I had an inspirational moment, but mm-hmm. God breathed the scriptures into existence through the personality of a human being, but they mm-hmm. penned the very words that God wanted for them. That's a mysterious right. process that none of us can understand. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not like they're making the Pope into something that's never existed. Mm. It's just they're continuing something the, right, that scripture says is, has been closed up and, and the they ins- keep open. And, and even... Uh, don't just put it equal with scripture. They actually elevate it above that because mm. there are things that are taught through the Catholic Church, as we see here, that they hold to that directly contradict scripture. So it's not mm. just alongside scripture, it's actually elevated above when, when something contradicts it in mm. scripture, they stick with Catholic doctrine right. rather than what the scriptures say. So right. It's, so it's fair to say that the Roman Catholic Church does not believe in sola. Scriptura, right? Right. No, they, they don't sola scriptura. <laughs> I, I change it into a verb. That, Do, you sola scriptura? Do you sola scriptura? Do you sola scriptura? I sola scriptura. Sounds like a line dance. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> we should make a we should make a rap song. Solos based on the solos. Yeah, I'm not gonna get into that. <laughs> no. I'll leave it at the table. I'll, 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 I'll pass on that one. Sorry. <laughs> I'll tell uh, some of my senior guys to do that. Uh, okay. I'll tell Tanner, your son. There you yeah, go. Yeah, Tanner will do it. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, so yeah, I don't know if Chad, if you had anything else to say. I mean, we're, we're it was a good conversation. Really yeah, I think you thoroughly covered it. 
yeah. Julio, and it's, I've really enjoyed just hanging out with you guys and talking about some of these really important issues. Yeah. And obviously, as we've done into them, we've really run through almost every one of the yeah. the solas because they can't really be singled out mm-hmm. yeah, without realizing that it's like a stool with three legs, or in this case, five legs. You take any one right. of them down, they all, and yeah. it tips over. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, and, and this is something that we love to do here at Bridge. It's something I love to do is just have conversation on these topics and learn together as Christians. I mean, we're we're called in the New Testament to to be students of the Word. Hmm. It says, worship the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And I, you know, that's something that I've um, been truly blessed by, by the grace of God, is once I began, or once, I, not I began, but once the grace of God truly touched my heart and drove me to seek the deep things and wisdom of His, and it says in His Word, if you seek it like treasure and hmm. hidden gold and silver, and He will give it to you, and, and that's something that I did, and my mind and heart was completely changed, and once you hmm. begin to really study these truths, it not only seeps into your mind, it goes into your heart and out into your hands, hmm. and it just becomes... You know this cycle, and it, it it just becomes a part of you, and it's just a peace and comfort that I really want every Christian who has been called by God to experience. And um, I, you know, keep listening back to these podcasts, um, and we're gonna have we're gonna have Douglas Wilson on next week. He's gonna Dougie. be talking about the glory of God, and uh, I mean, all of these honestly point to the glory of God. Exactly, yeah. all of them. I mean, the scriptures, His grace, faith. And, and Christ all point back to him. And so that's something we're going to be talking about with Doug and just in Christian uh, doctrine in general. Deo Gloria. Yes, Deo Gloria. So um, anyway, any, any, any last thoughts? No. Land is playing, Julio. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Chad, for coming on. You're welcome. Again, awesome I, to be here, I, Gabe. I love that, yeah. out with you today. Yeah, well. I, I, I love, uh, love this man dearly. Anyway, guys. Um, that wraps up our podcast. Uh, again, please like and share if you like this. Share it with um, uh, somebody who's an unbeliever, uh, maybe someone who's in Catholicism. This might challenge them and stretch them. And and uh, again, this this podcast, um, the things that we're talking about here, were um, for our Catholic friends, right? We're we're not do, hmm. we're not doing this podcast out of being malicious or yeah. and being rude. Um, you know, we're we're uh, we're looking at the scriptures and and we're trying to we're committing to God hmm. and His Word and His Word alone. In truth, and, in truth, yeah. And so I and I've 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 spoken about this before. I mean, what does love demand of you, right? If you have the truth, well, then you're going to share it, hmm. right? And and Amen. that that that's what we're doing here, and. Um, Guys, I just I, I hope you're blessed by this, and um, yeah, and so we'll we'll see you on the next one. Uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I will see you on the next one. Thank you, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Later. Bye.